1: Here we go.
2: Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown!
3: See you later! Hollywood to the house! Jackson, the spin and toss.
0: Ingram makes a man miss! Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf, and uh, Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens, and running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three, Jackson, Jackson, so look at him, turn back and forth, oh, he broke his ankles, now he's got an entourage, and he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini, what a play. 47-yard touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. Excitement this week as we do our mock draft of the first round of the NFL draft coming up in just a few days. It is one of the more fun episodes that we do here on the show. We hope you guys stick with us through the picks especially because the Ravens now have multiple first-rounders late in the game, and we're going to talk all about why before we get into the mock draft. I am Antonio Barbera, joined by my co-hosts, who I hope are as buzzing as I am about this. Starting off first with Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going, man?
3: Oh, it's draft week. I'm, I'm doing great, my friend. And We should note, too, and we'll, we'll reinforce as we get into the draft. They're, we're not going to predict any trades because that's just that's tough to do. So in this draft, the Ravens will have two first-round picks. Come Thursday night, they'll probably have zero, but that's something we could talk about at a later date.
2: And joining on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, draft week. You ready to go?
4: Oh, it's one of the best uh, best weeks of the NFL season. Uh, not not even the season, Antonio, but just best weeks of the NFL in general. Uh, to Tim's point, I hope the Ravens make at least one pick Thursday night, because I'll watch all four hours of that thing, and so if we get down to pick 27 and they trade down, and then now trade down again at 31, I'll be completely heartbroken, but, uh, you know, it's still good to have two, two picks for now, and as you said, likely we'll do stuff with them, it's really exciting, we haven't had... When was the last time the Ravens have had two first-round picks? It's, I can't remember. It's been a long time.
3: Uh, no, 2018 when they drafted Lamar Jackson. Because oh, they traded back up.
2: It is truly a tradition unlike any other. The Ravens having some sort of late first-round pick, as Jace mentioned. You wait, you listen, you watch, <laughs> you get excited, and then they move back out of it. And now they have two opportunities to do that. Also, just even later than their original pick, and we are going to talk about why, and that's because Orlando Brown, he's no longer a Baltimore Raven, he was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs in a pick swap deal, where the Ravens get the Chiefs' first round pick, a third round pick, a fourth, and a fifth, while the Chiefs get Orlando Brown... A Ravens second-round pick and a Ravens sixth-round pick. Guys, initial reactions on Orlando Brown being on the Chiefs and the Ravens adding this first-round draft pick.
3: Oh, man. Talk about a Friday news dump, huh? Like, we're all wrapping the week. Um, We're getting to the point where... You know, at least on the East Coast, for Antonio and I, we can uh, start to think of the weekend, maybe relaxing. We we both work in in some form of journalism. Him him more than I, so it's like let's shut the brain off, and then Eric DaCosta to try decide, excuse me, to trade away a right tackle, uh, an a Pro Bowl right tackle, a guy a Pro Bowl left tackle last season to their biggest competitor in the AFC. So. <laughs> I know that everyone and their brother is going to get upset with me. I've definitely cooled off from where I was on Friday, as I'm sure Antonio and Jace uh, will note in the famous Pod Like a Raven text group. I was less than pleased with the trade, but I still, my, before we dive into this really deeply, my still, my overarching sense of this is you just upgraded the team you need to beat and you did it during the window where you have to win. And I know that's boiling it down to its simple simplest properties, but for me, that's what's infuriating.
4: I get that, but at the same time, it's clear this move happened because the Chiefs were the only team willing to part with a first-round pick for Orlando Brown. And that's what the Ravens seemed like they clearly wanted, was a first. Um, and the trade kind of grew out of there because... You know, the the Chiefs wanted to get the Ravens second because they didn't want to really part with the first, and that's how the grows and grows. We have this huge swap of picks. Um, so while I see your point, Tim, about helping a rival team, and I certainly am not enthused that, this helps the Chiefs greatly. Their offensive line, which was clearly the weakness in their Super Bowl loss, is... I You don't know. It's too early to say it's a strength, but... They signed Joe Tooney in the offseason. They trade for Orlando Brown. They signed Austin Blythe to be their center, solid center the, uh, player for the Rams the last few years. Um, uh, Duvernay Tardif is expected to opt back in. Uh, the Chiefs offensive line is significantly improved through this move, and that's frustrating. But I, I think you have to look at it big picture, and it's... Clear, you know, this was a long-term... Like, Orlando Brown was not going to be on the team next year. We had talked about this on the show. Um, and I think they went with the approach of get something rather than nothing. And the something they were able to get was a first-round pick, which they can do a lot of, a lot with. Um, as we said, we'll probably trade down, could just take two players in the first round, that is allowed. But I think, I, I think for a player that wasn't going to be on the team next year... It's still a really good haul to receive in return. And for me, the only thing that really hurts is the team <laughs> that it is because uh, that, you know, it helps the Chiefs. There's no question about it. But I, I think they got the best return they could. And the Chiefs were desperate and willing to pay what the Ravens wanted.
3: Real quickly, Antonio, I 100% agree that long term, this makes sense. Orlando Brown was not coming back for the following year. And you know what? In retrospect, when you look back and you want to play smart guy on the internet, it, it makes sense as a good move for the Ravens in their future. Let's say they take two first-round picks. The fifth-year option becomes a massive deal for them where you can exercise this fifth-year option and retain this guy on, I won't always say team-friendly contract, but maybe more friendly if he's a stud than it would be to pay the guy after year four. All of that makes sense, but from an immediate Lamar's still on a rookie deal let's load up and win now perspective I just I'm not gonna sit here and say I hate the trade because long term and after this season I'll be like oh that was a good trade because he's gone and whatever happened happened unless you know it's the Chiefs winning another Super Bowl and the Ravens (laughs) not being able to protect Lamar from the right side of the offensive line which could be a massive problem but your last point I think you don't give that enough credit the the only thing I dislike is giving it to the Chiefs. That's the biggest problem: is that you gave it to the Chiefs. They tra- they make this trade with any other team in the league, any other team in the league. I don't care if it's the Bills. I don't care if it's you know another Super Bowl contender, the Packers, what have you, or the Steelers. I would have rather them made this trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers than the Kansas City Chiefs. I really would have, and and that's the part that I just can't get over for this season. Let's see how it plays out. But for me, that's that's what really you know grinds my gears.
2: Yeah, that is true. Teams, a lot of times, they, like, they don't want to give their trade their players to teams within their own division, almost more so than against rivals in their same conference, and that sort of bears this out, where they, I mean, we don't know what was offered by other teams, but I, I would not have expected them to ever trade him to the Steelers or to the Browns, but I can see it with a team that they don't have to play twice a year, basically. In terms of overall in this trade, Tim, I think you can do, you have to do both things at the same time. You have to do the present and the future at the same time. That's what DaCosta does. That's what the Ravens do. And I'll put when in parentheses, but when one of those first round picks becomes a second and an extra third or a second and an extra fourth or something like that, you basically end up trading one season of Orlando Brown for three draft picks. And I like the Ravens getting two of those three picks, basically hitting on two of those three, and then you might turn one starter with one year left into two starters on those rookie deals for, for a few years to come. I hope they do that. You know, it's easier easier said than done, but but the Ravens have certainly proved it with the track record where they just want get us as many picks as possible. We don't think we're magicians with getting the right players. We just think we have a lot of opportunities to get guys, and then some of them are going to work out, some of them aren't. But the more tickets you have to the, to the show, basically, the more, the more star players you end up drafting.
3: Yeah, I, and again, I completely agree. And look, like I'm not, I'm not sitting here as defiant as I was on Friday afternoon when we were all discussing this trade as it went down. And I was screen capping tweets and sending them at a rapid pace <laughs> and ignoring all sorts of work and personal issues that I have um, to just talk about Orlando Brown Jr. and the right tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, now left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I get it. And, like, I understand. And, look, now I'm even more excited for the draft as a kid who, when other people had social lives as a high schooler, I would sit in all weekend and watch rounds four through seven. And I can't wait to do it again this weekend. It's going to be amazing. But – and 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 having these picks, and even if it's just capital and they trade back one of these picks and they get an early second-round pick, those guys on that day two now, the early second round, that it's like all the talk shows before are – these are the guys that should have been drafted in the first round. Maybe the Ravens can <laughs> grab one of those guys now if they, if they drop back, and I, I'm elated for that. And the Ravens are good at this. Eric Dacosta's good at this. There's a, there was an article going around recently about how they're basically trying to replicate the 2018 draft, which, if you look at it, is flat-out incredible. It was Ozzie's last, last draft. You know, Hayden Hurst, who turns into J.K. Dobbins, Lamar, Mark Andrews, Zeus Jr., All in that, all in that class um Deshaun Elliott actually in that class in the sixth round too like go back and look it's it's insane who they picked in that that year but it's still a crapshoot Eric DaCosta himself has admitted that that it's a crapshoot like you say Antonio and for me for a team that's a Super Bowl contender or perceived Super Bowl contender I saw this on Twitter uh today as we record this look at that roster now again Thursday, you know, you're listening to this probably on Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe even Thursday before the draft, getting super hyped up. Congrats to you. I wish I was at Thursday already because I can't wait for this. But I am i have some issues here, and, and there's plenty of things to be resolved. You know, all the free agents are going to come after May 3rd, apparently, because that's when comp, comp picks don't count anymore. But in the moment in time we sit right now, I have a hard time being a Super Bowl contender, being like, I'll take the 31st overall pick in a crapshoot draft over a Pro Bowl tackle in a let's-just-do-it year, let's-go-for-it year.
2: But that's that's the Ravens, though. I know, I know, no, I know, I know, I Yeah, I'm not disagreeing necessarily, but you're picking the exact moment in time where the Ravens do all their damage after this day. They're going to do the damage in the draft. Sure. They're going to do the damage with the late acquisitions. They're going to do something in August. And then, and then the first week of <laughs> September... We'll look at the roster and say, oh, you know, a lot, a lot of that's been resolved. I have some issues as well, Tim, with the with the roster. There are some holes there that need filling. Like, let's talk about this one for right now. Right tackle, Jace. Guys, in terms of free agency, some names have have you know been been mentioned. Villanueva, Alejandro Villanueva is like apparently the top choice that will happen seven eight days from now. Dennis Kelly. Who, uh, or the draft, which we, we can't sort of guess now, but of the, of the free agents, do you like anybody to take that spot and do, you know, become a, a day one starter?
4: Well, as you said, it does seem he's been linked enough, although then there's reports that back off it just a little bit. But it seems like Alejandro Villanueva is going to be the guy. He's been the Steelers left tackle. It's just not very exciting. Uh, he's fine. He was very good. He's getting older. He's not as good as he once was. I worry a little bit about banking on him to be your right tackle. That being said, I think he's better than DJ Fluker, who was frequently the right tackle last season after, after, uh, Ronnie Stanley got hurt. Um... So I wouldn't hate it. I think, personally, I still would like them to invest in the draft, which we'll get into, perhaps, in our mock draft. Even, Spoiler! But, uh, um, uh, but yeah, it, it seems like Wave is going to be the guy, and that's, I don't know, just not incredibly exciting. But, you know, as you said, the Brown, the Brown moves more of a future play, and we are a win-now team. And so bringing in Villanueva is probably the best win-now move you can do. He's solid. He's not spectacular. But uh, if he's lost anything, maybe it helps him being on the right side. Uh, certainly having a quarterback significantly more mobile than 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, also to protect, perhaps. Um so, yeah, I'm not in love with it, but <laughs> it seems like he'll be the guy and, like, as in very Ravens fashion, it still worries me waiting till May because that always means someone might get desperate inside of him depending on how things shake out in the draft this weekend. But, yeah, there's not too much to say about him, honestly, but it seems like that's, like, just a fine, a fine move for your right tackle spot. And as Tim kind of said, for a team that does want to win now, you don't love to just be like, oh, that's fine. But sometimes fine gets it done too. So, you know, take the good with the bad, I suppose.
3: Yeah. I mean, the ideal situation here is they, they t- pick up, you know, an, a veteran tackle because I don't think uh, Alejandro Villanueva, I think that's a the guy they pick up and he turns into DJ Fluker 2.0 and he's simply <laughs> not good enough. Like, I just don't think he's good enough. And he can't, he's not a very good run blocker. And guess what the Ravens basically do 85% of the time is run the darn ball. Um, so I think the the ideal situation is they take a veteran maybe and then they draft somebody, whether it's, you know, late first, early second, or if they like a guy in day three who can kick inside for a year and then maybe move out there in the future, doing your whole short-term here, long-term thing. The Ravens are very good at this. I shouldn't be mad at them because in Eric DaCosta we trust. I know all that. Um, Dennis Kelly is the one for me that I think is a little bit more interesting. So we played all 16 games. He was supposed to visit with the Ravens over the weekend. I don't know if there's any confirmation that he actually did or not, but all the reports on Friday was that he was visiting with the team over the weekend. Again, they're not signing anybody till after May 3rd because that's just what they do. But uh, he replaced Jack Conklin, obviously, who went to Cleveland last offseason. He played all 16 games at right tackle, over 1,000 snaps, zero sacks, penalized two times. Sounds good to me. Sign me up. He's 31. He'll come relatively cheap. Maybe not veteran minimum or something like that. You draft a guy. Uh, you draft a guy late. And spoiler alert, Jace and me now have the uh, the, <laughs> the ability to pick for the Ravens now with two draft picks. Antonio's shaking his head. It's just he not right. <laughs> uh, you can have it if you want. It's too much pressure on me to be completely honest. <laughs> I'll trade it to you. Uh, but I think that guy, a guy who has played on the right side, who is a little bit more of a mauler as well, it seems like, too. Um, And, I mean, offensive lineman, long hair, like David Bakhtiari style. (laughs) Sign me up. That's awesome. Um, The the only other one that I'll throw out there, which just, in terms of pure comedy, would be Mitchell Schwartz, who, if you don't know, (laughs) former right tackle of the Chiefs, and his brother, Jeff Schwartz, is not a big Lamar Jackson fan on Twitter. So the fact that Mitchell Schwartz would... Join the Ravens from the Chiefs, and then his brother would have to like start supporting Baltimore. I think would be hilarious as well.
4: That'd be great. Mitchell Schwartz also incredibly good when healthy. Good, that's great. Been the player problem when for him is the right. health. But if he is healthy, that would be that'd be great. That'd be there ideal. Even
3: he's a free I, agent.
4: Before I guess we move off this whole topic, I do want to say this. I don't know if we'll quite say this is what's bothering Jace, oh. but um, just per- with the perturbed? Orlando. Yeah, just, like, left me going, like, why? What? What's agitating, Jace? For? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Ravens release this photo, like, thank you, Orlando Brown, right? Uh, this On Twitter. And he, quote, tweets it, like, Ravens for Life or whatever it was, R4L. I forget exactly what. And I'm just confused by all sides of it. It's like... He's like Ravens fam for life. It's like you're the one who asked for a trade. <laughs> like he, he, we you he didn't maybe he didn't explicitly say, but he said, "I am a left tackle." He comes out and writes this on Twitter, right? He knows the situation. He knows how many millions of dollars they just paid Ronnie Stanley. You're not going to play left tackle on the Ravens. And so that makes you a right tackle on the Ravens. So he didn't want to play here. And then he's going to act like he, he's how sad he is to leave this organization. I don't know. I And then I was very confused by it from the Raven side, too. Because it's like, well, it's not really loyalty. You're trading this guy. And I guess you have to do it because of his father and the legacy uh, their family has and stuff. But I don't know. It's just like for the Ravens, this was like the definition of a business move. You move your right tackle because you got all these assets and you weren't going to sign them the next year. It, like, everyone says constantly the NFL is a business, and this was the ultimate business move for me. Trading a literal legacy player who wanted, demanded a trade, essentially, because you got the absolute most compensation for him, and then we're all just going to act like we're all sad to see each other go. I don't know. It was very strange to me. Maybe that makes me a cynic or a... Not sentimental, but I, I, it just seemed very performative, the whole thing. I didn't know what was going on.
3: No, so here's the thing, Jace, and I like this, because this I put this in the same argument as you and I during the season going, the defense isn't that good, and Antonio being like, look at the rankings. They're, not, they're doing fine, but where old man yells at cloud, where defense <laughs> was like three and out, and yeah. move on. What is a first down? Teams aren't supposed to get first downs. What are we doing? You and I are screaming at the television. Antonio's like, this is just how it is now. I think that's just how it is now. The guy asked yeah. for a trade, and you're still like, oh, guess what? We love our players. Yeah, yeah, we'll do the thing that you can you – the... you want the thing we can post on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to schedule it for 1210. That's 1210 Eastern time. 12... Yeah, okay, got it. It's, it's one of those where – And I mean, you live on Twitter. Come on. You're you're the same as I. You're addicted to social, well, Twitter specifically, I would say. We're addicted to it. I have TweetDeck up right now. Just, I I follow 2,000 people and I don't need to know all the things that, let's see, (laughs) Nerdist is doing right now, uh, currently. (laughs) But it's just how it works now. It's unfortunate, but that's just kind of the thing.
4: Yeah, you're you're right. This was, I realized as I was saying it, like, and thinking about it all this week, one of my most, like, old man takes. But I was just, like, so confused by the whole thing. I was like, I was like, Everyone was fine with this trade. The player wanted it. The team wanted it in the first-round pick that he brought in. I don't know. The whole thing was very strange, and then for all of them to like act like they're all heartbroken that they parted it was very strange to me.
2: Jace, team, social media, business—being performative, well, it couldn't. It couldn't be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's no true. way. Uh, but that we, we do have to move on from this. But. The last thing I will say is that is the one thing that we haven't talked about is the potential of if Orlando Brown wasn't traded, how much of a fuss would he have given during this season? If they said, "Listen, we're just going to keep you," at what point would would playing be an issue or, or practices or OTAs, all that stuff? To and that was just something where they removed that even potential headache by by getting what they did in return. So, all right, we're going to move off this. We will see. We will be back, guys in the weeks to come, talking about what the next step is at right tackle, but it will not be Orlando Brown Jr. on the Ravens. We're going to do the random Raven now, quickly, and then we will dive into our first round mock draft. Chase, you are up this week for the random Raven. so who do you have for us?
4: I have quite a choice for you all this week. It's uh, so similar theme to what we were just talking about. This offensive lineman was drafted by the Ravens in the third round of the 2011 NFL Draft. The UCF, that is University of Central Florida, product, spent four seasons with the Ravens, appearing in 39 games. Clue three. However, he made just seven starts for Baltimore, though they all came in the Ravens' 2012 Super Bowl winning season. His number 76 has not been worn in a game by a Ravens player since his departure. And then number five, since being cut by the Ravens in September of 2015, this player spent two more seasons in the NFL playing with the Kansas City Chiefs, where he made 11 starts. That is our random Ravens. Wait,
3: Can you clarify one thing? You said all of his starts came in the 2012 Super Bowl year. Is that what you said, or did I miss? Uh,
4: With the Ravens, yes.
3: Okay. I think I know this. I had one name, and that definitely wasn't it.
4: And and football reference lists his starts as coming at left guard that season. If that helps at all.
3: That doesn't. That that makes it worse.
4: Oh. <laughs> huh.
2: I, yeah, I have I a name. Am I not, I at
3: the moment I, clueless. I'm a I'm I'm a nerd for offensive linemen and defensive linemen, as you know, so I have a name.
2: But I don't know if it's right. But we we'll will say. have that. We'll have that riddle like, answered saying, at the end was, of the show.
4: Based on those years, Prime Ravens wrap up time, so uh, if that helps at all as well. <laughs>
3: oh yeah this guy was it, all right you know what i think i know who it is now this guy was <laughs> talked about he was definitely talked about
4: on and off uh but cool yeah that's the random raver this week i hope tim has it because it is a very funny one i think
2: all right let's move into this mock draft gonna give a my co hosted the same exact fist bump in the air at the, at the exact moment everybody's ready a couple of ground rules. We are going to go through these picks, in, uh, obviously, in chronological order between the three of us. So the uh, order was randomized, where Tim, then myself, and then Jace are, are is the order uh, in a cyclical fashion. We're not going to do trades, Tim. Was that a confirmed thing? Because I'm, I yeah, may try no to trades. offer one anyway, but the trade will have to be rejected when I try to make it. We're not doing trades. It's too complicated. I'll say this.
3: I'll say this. I'll just let you make the Ravens pick if you want because I'm too scared to make it. But no, no, no trades in the actual mock draft.
2: All right. We're going to mention who we think the team will draft. Obviously, we have our own interests, and we would like to see fun situations or funny situations of players drafting or about teams drafting certain players. But we are going to stick with what we think will happen uh, in this draft, give a few sentences as to why that team is drafting that player, and then stick around because the Ravens, drafting at 27 and 31 tim and jace will have one of those picks each so let's get started now with the jacksonville jaguars on the clock tim how many minutes do we need for uh for pick one here
3: well you know I, when i was looking at pick one i really you gotta have a guy that wants to wants to win and wants to play football <laughs> and actually loves football so with my first pick I'm going Zach. No, I'm kidding. No, it's Trevor Lawrence. I mean, come on. Like it. I, I love. I love that. You know, this is probably the most assured pick, uh, first overall pick in quite some time. You know, the whole Jets completely screwing it up by winning the game and not being able to get Trevor Lawrence, um, and now it's now he's going down to Jacksonville and Duval, and I love that. It was like one of those things where you know what. Maybe there won't be any discourse around Trevor Lawrence. Maybe just like we all know that he's the top pick. And then it's, no, maybe he doesn't love the game enough because he actually has a life outside of football, which I find completely ridiculous. I'm going gi- to give up my rest rest of my time here to Jace if he'd like to say a few words because, one, he kind of looks like a mix of Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence right now. And, two, he will speak more eloquently than I. But everybody knows Trevor Lawrence, the top pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars.
4: Yeah, you said it. It, it. Who who? Regardless of who was going to pick first before the NFL season really even started, Trevor Lawrence was going to be uh, this pick. Kind of even regardless of what he did in his own college season, but he went out had another really good campaign. He just has it all, you know. He has the size, he has the arm, the the instincts. Uh, he's pretty athletic for a dude his size. Fluid. There's really seemingly no weaknesses you know i mean there's certain you can get nitpicky and there's certain things as with every quarterback there's no such thing as a truly perfect quarterback but um yeah in terms of guys coming into the nf uh, the nfl he's he's as sure a thing as we've had probably probably a quarterback since andrew luck certainly and maybe you could even argue since peyton manning even so um yeah that's nothing but uh the most slam-dunk, probably the most boring first overall pick we've had in about a decade. <laughs> so, in a real long time. So, yeah. And, uh, he's going to be... It's hard to imagine him not succeeding in some way. Uh, I'll say. he's he's pretty much has it all.
2: All right. I'm picking second for the New York Jets. Once again, starting over. Sam Darnold, gone. He's in Carolina. And with that gaping hole at quarterback now, the New York Jets select what many are anticipating. Zach Wilson out of BYU. rocket arm. I, I mean I don't know, you know can throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Uh, can create explosive plays inside and outside the pocket. Uh, apparently he can like change his release points. got the Aaron Rodgers like changing of release points. Uh, the Lamar Jackson changing of the arm angles. So we'll see. That That's my, my t- sort of two-word sentence about what I think about this. As Jets management, I am fully prepared for this to not work out. But, uh, you know, you're, you're drafting a supreme talent who played at a school that does not have supreme competition. So we will see how that translates to the NFL. I know, Jace, you have some things to say about that. But Zach Wilson is the new face of the New York football Jets franchise.
3: Antonio, would you say he could throw it over them mountains?
2: <laughs> I think he literally did in one of those like uh, you know combine videos or whatever you want to call it. Running around, he threw it like three hundred yards. I'm pretty sure. You know, I'm not exaggerating this either. But yeah, the Jets they, they love that. They love that arm strength, and uh, they want Wilson to, to be their quarterback of the next ten years.
4: Stuff like this just concerns me a little. I feel so much better for Zach Wilson if he was going to the Niners at three uh, versus the Jets. Just given the Jets' entire history of. Uh, not producing good QBs since Joe Namath. Um, And and, and I think Wilson... I think Wilson's good, but I also think he is such a product of this whole pre-draft process. Like, you mentioned the arm angle stuff and the pro days with the... the, Oh, see how far he threw this ball across his body. And, I mean, I've seen people be like, oh, he throws like Mahomes and Rodgers. It's like, all right, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Is he gonna be one two of the three best quarterbacks in the league? Like, I don't know. That seems like a lot of pressure to put on the kid. I to your point too, on B like BYU, especially this past season, his numbers rocketed up from where they were two years ago because of COVID nineteen, uh their entire set schedule, BYU as an independent, got completely wiped out basically, and they were forced to kind of cobble together a schedule for twenty twenty. Um With significantly lesser competition than they normally would have played, uh, just because so many of the power conferences went um, to conference play only, including the SEC. Um, And so, I just have concerns (laughs) for Zach Wilson and and the New York market and all that. I think he is talented. He certainly can throw the ball very far, but I don't know. Personally, I feel a lot better about a Justin Fields, who did it against higher-level competition a lot, but... Zach Wilson seems to be a lock, so Zach Wilson um, to second. And then to keep the QB train rolling, I guess, we could jump into the third overall pick, um, which I have. And appears to be, by all accounts, between um, Mac Jones, Alabama quarterback, and Trey Lance, the quarterback at North Dakota State. Which is very confusing to me because we entered last college football season with Trevor and Justin Fields as the top two quarterbacks. And somehow Fields is going to end up like the fourth QB off the board. Um, Depending on where you read, it differs on who exactly the Niners are going to take. I, however, am actually going to pick uh, for them Trey Lance, the quarterback quarterback out of uh north dakota state because he is more projecty i guess you'd say than mac jones but i think he with his athleticism um just has such a higher upside i think than mac jones i mac jones is fine he does some things well but i'm not (laughs) i'm not the hugest fan and admittedly you know it's hard to have too much tape of Trey Lance. I think a lot of this is people going on faith. He played one college football game last season, uh, was North Dakota State's fall season was a single game. Uh, so he played one football game in the last like two years, so that's a minor concern. Um, but and he's definitely more raw, I would probably say. But if the idea is the Niners are hanging on to Jimmy Garoppolo, I think. You have, to, and if for some reason you're not sold on Justin Fields being the developmental guy, which it seems like they're not, I think you'd have to take Trey Lance. He has the higher ceiling. And if you're fine keeping Garoppolo even as the starter in 2021, that gives him a longer runway to kind of just learn under Jimmy G, um, adapt to the NFL. And I think. It, <clears throat> That's why I don't like this trade, that they made this trade, that they traded up to three for not a sure thing. Um, but if you're going to kind of take a speculative choice, I'd rather take the guy with the much higher ceiling. So, Trey Lance is my pick.
3: Yeah, I love, so, uh, we were as, as we record this on Monday, it's a podcast. We're not going to try and do the magic of radio thing. You get it. But uh, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan spoke and delivered just one of the better lines I've heard in a very long time. Jace looks at me like confused because I know he just woke up like an hour ago. He said, "quote I can't guarantee that anybody in the when the- when somebody asked if Jimmy Garoppolo will be on the roster on Sunday, I should preface. He goes, quote I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive on Sunday, uh. so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday." Shanahan said in the <laughs> I'm smarter than you.
2: Is he BS- going to kill Garoppolo? <laughs> he might. He might murder Jimmy Garoppolo. Was that a threat? <laughs>
3: We love Trey Lance so much that we are going to sacrifice Jimmy Garoppolo in, in some sort of <laughs> ceremony or ritual. Um, I think it's weird. You the the things that you've heard. I listened to Todd McShay on a couple different podcasts, and I've and obviously just because you know I have no social life, I've been just listening to NFL draft podcasts over and over and over again. It's they seem to be the consensus. And again, as we say any of this stuff, I'll just put the disclaimer here. This could all be smoke. We don't know what is smoke and what is fire. That's draft season for you. But apparently the front office wants Trey Lance and, the, and Kyle Shanahan, who apparently can determine if people live or die, wants Mac Jones. We will see. I don't get it with Mac Jones either. So, you know, look, we're just having some fun here. We're not trying to go 32 for 32. So I love the Trey Lance <laughs> fit. Jimmy G is okay in that system. Let him play and get the guy with the better upside. I like that. And with that, let me move over, sorry, let me move over to number four. And boy, do I want to make it a fourth straight quarterback.
4: This is where things get interesting.
3: This is where we're <laughs> going to start to have some fun. We, we talked pre-show. Pick number three was a little bit of a question mark, obviously. What was Jace going to do? All the reports, was it Lance or Jones? And, and to take you behind the curtain, even he didn't know until he just made the pick there. <laughs> I will say, it doesn't really affect my pick here. It's going to have some changes. And I wanted to go for a fourth straight QB. I wanted to put Justin Fields here because I think having Matt Ryan for another year or two or whatever his contract allows and then just having that guy ready is a great idea. But according to all the people smarter than me, Kyle Pitts is up there with Trevor Lawrence as one of the most like, lock-it-in going to be a great pro. Todd McShay called scouted him as possibly a Hall of Fame type tight end. <clears throat> Daniel Jeremiah said, "You don't rank him as a tight end, you rank him as a pass catcher. If the little TE wasn't next to his name, he'd be the top-rated wide receiver anyway." So I'm taking Kyle Pitts at 4. Arthur Arthur Smith comes in. He wants to prove something, so he wants a guy who can make an immediate impact. Justin Fields wouldn't be able to do that in that slot. And with all the talks uh earlier this week about Julio Jones, potentially being on the trade block. Bring another pass catcher in with Calvin Ridley um, and some of the other guys they have there. Sorry, Hayden Hurst. Kyle Pitts is tight end number one now, uh, and that is my pick for the Atlanta Falcons.
4: I like it. I, Pitts is he, – he was a monster last year, and, and he's kind of emerged from everyone being like, oh, he'll be top ten to, for sure to be in top five for sure to, at this point – He's basically the highest graded prospect behind Trevor Lawrence, like, in this entire class. Um, And so, you know, the Falcons are in such a weird place, because Matt Ryan's still, like, good, but it seems like they just all need a refresh, but they can't really do anything with his contract. So I don't hate just trying to, you know, just acquire talent, and I think Pitts is the the great choice here, because he's the most talented player on the board.
2: All right, and with the Bengals drafting fifth, they take notice. Of of Kyle Pitts going forth, would they have wanted him at five? Probably, uh, as uh, as representing the Bengals front office now, I would say that we should probably take Penae Sewell to protect uh, our budding star quarterback Joe Burrow, but with Cincinnati notably being behind the times in both analytics and advanced scouting. And that's a thing, apparently, that they are just not as caught up to other NFL teams with the analytics game. We believe that getting a star pass catcher is going to help out Joe Burrow just as much as getting a star offensive lineman. Plus, we've already added Riley Reef at right tackle and free agency. Our left tackle is our first-round pick from last year, Jonah Williams. So our line is just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, we could have split the difference with Kyle Pitts and pretended that he was half blocker and half receiver, but he's gone. He's taken it fourth, So with, at, at number five, we are thrilled to take Jamar Chase, wide receiver, out of LSU. We're staying away from Heisman winner Devonta Smith because his skinny frame is exactly <laughs> the thing that we think is significant without any sort of data to back it up and chase becomes our number one wide receiver he becomes a problem for the rest of the afc north for the next five years playmaker unbelievable burst off the line and i will not look forward to the ravens having to go against him twice a year
3: and uh sorry jace before you go because i i I do want to hear like you know this is probably unfair to put this title on you as our scout for for this exercise but What do you you both make of the whole, should they draft a pass catcher for Joe Burrow, especially one he's familiar with, obviously, in Jamar Chase, versus offensive tackle? Because, to put it simply, I watched that man get abused back there on a a football field over and over and over again. The Ravens kept getting sacks against the Bengals, and that's saying something with (laughs) how many they produced over the season. So, for me... I don't, and all and all the talk again is them taking Jamar Chase to not only appease Joe Burrow, but even if he wasn't there, they love Chase that much. Yada yada yada. I think it's ridiculous that they're not taking a tackle there. What say you guys? I, I agree.
4: Conventional wisdom, I I would probably take a tackle, but I do think Jamar Chase is special, and I think that's why you have to take it. I think like because he opted out of the 2020 season. Um, w- people have kind of forgot how crazy his 2019 season was. So as you mentioned, when Joe Burrow won the Heisman and was his quarterback, Chase caught 84 passes for 1,780 yards and 20 touchdowns in 14 college games. Um, those were, uh, until Devonta Smith, who Antonio mentioned, uh, pretty much broke all those records (laughs) this season. Uh, those were all like sec marks. Um, uh, all-time marks so um you know it, it he he's really he's really good and he won like all every major award um, in the 2019 season so I get the case um, but as I've just done these mocks over and over again myself I too kept sending jamar chase to the Bengals I hate it for the Ravens but I think it is gonna be cool pairing him and uh, burrow back up as well as um, T Higgins, uh, who shined in, uh, moments last season for them as well. Uh, they're, they're building something scary. And I, I agree with Antonio's point. Um, getting Jonah Williams back should be a big help. He was, you know, supposed to be the guy last year and just got hurt, unfortunately. So if he can do anything for, to help them, you know, live up to, he was a top 15 pick. If he can like live up to that billing, that should go a long ways as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I um, I love Jamar Chase. He's awesome. So uh, I, I completely agree with the pick um, of Jamar Chase by Antonio.
2: Yeah, it's just the investment that they've made. In theory, they're going to have two new tackles to start the year, and one's a top 15 pick and one is a like a free agent acquisition. So you've made the sort of investment there already, uh, and you have the opportunity to take a, a special playmaker for rookie quarterback I, it, yeah it might be a disaster because you're as what exactly what you said happened to burrow last season but um those numbers that jace pointed out are, are hard to hard to ignore
3: yeah but it's hard to ignore that it's a free agent on a one-year deal who riley reef is like okay now and if you can just draft the guy draft him kick him inside for an offensive line that could probably improve every single <laughs> position on that line so i i mean i get it trust me and like all the all the smart money is on Jamar Chase going five if he's there. But I just, I don't, I, I, I don't understand it personally. That's all.
4: Well, I think these, uh, the Bengals and the Dolphins are linked because I think had Antonio taken who I'm about to take, which is Pene Sewell uh, with the sixth overall pick. Um, I imagine if the draft plays out like people think, I imagine if, you know, if Chase is on the board, the Dolphins take him. If Sewell's on the board... Uh, the Dolphins take him. I kind of think what the Dolphins do just depends on who the Bengals take were there, which is you know maybe an obvious point to make, but I feel like they're they're intertwined more than most teams. So because um, they basically they need similar things, right? They have another. They also have a young quarterback who they need to build around. You know, you trade Laramie Tunsil, which is great for all you got back, and this is the pick you got back. So draft a tackle to uh, replace him and uh, protect uh, your your young QB and. Um, I think Sewell, you know, by all accounts, he's the best tackle in the draft. and uh, Or at least the best prospect with the size, the skill, um, young. So, uh, he, he likewise, he's another guy who opted out. So, that's what's made this whole process harder than usual. But, uh, yeah, I think with uh, Chase going to the Bengals, I think the Dolphins just turn around and take the best offensive lineman on the board. So, I have them taking Penny Sewell.
3: Ugh. You got me there because I was locking in Penny Sewell for the next pick, which out of, I I, I wrote down earlier who I'm picking for. Uh, Obviously, we already done the Jaguars, the Falcons. I've got the Lions, Cowboys, Chargers, Cardinals, football team, Titans, Jacksonville again, weirdly enough, Duval, (laughs) New Orleans, and the Ravens at 31. But the Lions are the one that I can't figure out after kind of, locking in on these teams specifically and what they need and, and guys that they're looking at and things like that. What I didn't find, what I didn't know until doing some research is that motor city, Dan Campbell and the Detroit lions only have six picks in this draft for a team that has an obscene amount of holes. Um, you know, I could pretty much take any player here and it would be an upgrade over what they have. Currently the roster is not that great. And so I'm going back. I'm, I'm, As I'm talking, and maybe I'm just talking for time, because I'm legitimately going back and forth and deciding what to do. And you know what? I'm going to do it. I say that they look at the contract of one Jared Goff. They know that there's a potential out after not this season, but the next season. And they develop Justin Fields to take over in Detroit. He goes seven. He's a guy that, again if you if you're if you're listening to this you're paying attention to the draft at least a little bit you know that the whole discourse about Justin Fields one uh not really you know not having the toughness to play even though against who is it clemson jace he had suffered a just horrendous injury and then went on to throw six touchdowns to lead ohio state to the title game that's all i needed to see in terms of that department that he doesn't really love it well yeah apparently trevor Lawrence doesn't either maybe just get used to it old man yells at cloud again and a guy that is mocked in maybe the third overall pick to fourth round is, is was the infamous take that we heard from him. But for me, I think you take a guy, you're able to develop in a little, little bit. Look, you're not going to be good next year. And I understand the argument of just acquiring assets. But I don't know if I'm – outside of Jamar Chase, there's a lot of receivers available. I don't know if I'm going to take a, a Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle this high when I know I can get talent – early in the second round where i'm at or wherever they're at seeing as they only have six picks even with all that said i'm taking the development quarterback see what jared Goff can do we kind of already know not much (laughs) and then get justin fields in there to be your guy for the next couple of years
2: after that
4: i like it tim yeah i justin fields i think like really it was one bad game that pretty much threw everyone he was so so against indiana But he completed less than 50% of his passes against Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. And that's always a game that a lot of people have eyes on. And he admittedly he was bad in that game. But it was, you know, kind of a weird one-off. On the season, he completed 70% of his passes. So I'm I'm willing to excuse one uh, bad game. As Tim said, he... Uh, responded from that uh, Northwestern kind of mini-disaster, which Ohio State still won the game, by the way. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, he rebounds from that, gets speared, and uh, a guy got ejected for targeting, like, as blatant a targeting as you can have, speared him right in the uh, ribs, and he just plays through that. uh, And six touchdowns, just dropping dimes against Clemson. I, I, I love it. I think, especially for the Lions, as you mentioned, Tim, they just need everything, so... If Fields, he he just provides a level of excitement that franchise hasn't even had in so long, and not that you should make like every draft pick based on what would be exciting, but like you mentioned, Dan Campbell, he's literally said this team's not going to compete like next season, and maybe not even in twenty twenty two. So they have some runway. He has like a six year contract. I, I agree. I think Fields is great. Can be a great pro quarterback. He has all the tools. Um, He's been compared to both Steve McNair and Cam Newton by uh, NFL talent evaluators told uh, Mike Jones, a reporter I work with at USA Today, um, which seems like two, you know, pretty good company. Steve McNair, former MVP, Uh, Cam Newton, former MVP. So uh, if he can even live up to those levels, I think it's a good pick and certainly exciting for the the Lions. So I, I I,
3: I just think too, like the Jared Goff thing was part of a trade with, the, the Rams. It wasn't like they were trading for Jared Goff. Let's be real. It was the Rams were trading for Matt Stafford to bring him to LA to try and win now, and Jared Goff was a consolation piece. So you bring in a guy that, again, if they think he's the man for the future, that you develop your most important position. And like you said, Jace, maybe
2: you have an exciting talent there in Detroit. So this is interesting. If this does <laughs> happen at seven, if Justin Fields goes seventh and he's the fourth. Out of the five top quarterbacks already gone within the first seven picks, eight for the Panthers to me is something that we're not doing in this mock draft, and it's a trade back. Because I think if this happens exactly like this for the first seven picks but those four quarterbacks gone, you look at the Broncos picking ninth, they're one of the teams that is interested in a quarterback potentially. I think the price of this eighth pick skyrockets for the Panthers. And they can take whoever wants to jump at one spot in front of the Broncos and grab the last quarterback before them, basically, before the Broncos. I think that's going to be a tremendous opportunity. I was going to, we can't do it, but I was going to offer Jace, as representing the Patriots, I was going to offer him this number eight spot to jump in front of the Broncos, which with Fields being gone and Mac Jones being available, I think is uh, fascinating. But we will not do that. We're not doing that right now. The Panthers are picking, and looking at the remaining board, they have a few holes to fill. They had a, you know, not not a great season last year. Certainly, they have Sam Darnold. It's uh, it's apparently his time to shine. His sort of last chance <laughs> as a, as a starting quarterback. I guess he'll have to fight with Teddy Bridgewater for that starting spot. So you could look at Devontae Smith uh, as a nice cornerstone piece, but Carolina has a few nice pieces at wide receiver already. And so they look elsewhere and they look at what is the number one defensive prospect in this draft at a position of need at corner. They get Patrick Sertan, the second from Alabama. It's just, you know, he is going to be very, very good. There is a guarantee that he plays eight to 10 seasons, he makes a, at least a couple of Pro Bowls. There's just no doubt in my mind that you're at your eighth pick, you are getting a successful starter out of Alabama who is going to be the guy. I think I stole somebody from, from maybe from Jerry Jones, but uh, I'm taking Patrick Sertan. I'm thrilled with it, and he just is a plug-and-play starter who fills a hole at cornerback for the Carolina Panthers.
3: Man, Jerry was so psyched to draft that guy, and he was going to be great because Jerry tried. Jerry tried to trade up to four to get Kyle Pitts. He tried, but then he realized <laughs> he's on pod like a raven, and we're just not doing that today. And so he was like, you know what? My defense was horrendous. All the report. Every single mock draft I've read has Patrick Sertan going 10 to the Cowboys. And now he's gone. And I I will admit, I'm also picking for the Chargers later at 13. I was already looking for Chargers picks because, like, ah, Sertan to the Cowboys. I know. Let's move on. It's fine. I'll I'll be able to talk about that in a sec. And now I'll tell you what, Jace, like, talk longer because I'm kind of (laughs) screwed here. I don't really know who the Cowboys are taking. But um, I will say, too, just on that because Antonio brings up a great point. I think the other point that I missed here with Detroit as well, I think Detroit is a prime trade candidate as well. Only six picks, you know, like we mentioned, needs all over the place. So I think that fields, if they don't love fields, like I'm predicting they might, maybe that's another spot where New England, Denver, if they want to be certain, um, you know, Washington, Chicago, if they can, you know, muster together some things, although apparently Andy Dalton is QB1. Um, Those two, (laughs) seven and eight, especially how this falls, are very, very uh, interesting uh, trade partners, and we'll see on Thursday. But uh, Sertan, Jace, I'll let you go, but apparently Sertan, shades of Marlon Humphrey? It's not just the same school? Yeah, I I love
4: this pick, Antonio, because you're right, he's been penciled into ten a lot, but he's basically the best defensive player in this draft, like, any position, and it's hard, like it doesn't make sense for the best player, the the best player on one side of the ball. I know it's an offensive league, but someone's got to stop the pass. And, you know, obviously, as we've seen quarterbacks and defensive backs taking on, uh, you know, bigger and bigger roles, responsibilities, importance in the NFL. I love it. I I, I think he's awesome. Obviously, the son of former pro bowler Patrick Sertan. Um, uh, So, you know, great pedigree and by all accounts, one of like, the smartest players that's ever played for Nick Saban, one of Saban's favorites. It's, uh, he was great. He, you know, he picked up a bunch of awards was just a complete, like people would just not throw to his side of the field in college. (laughs) Like that's how, how much he would lock things down. So I like it. I, I, I think getting, you know, the best defensive player at eight is pretty good for a rebuilding team, especially. And as you said, one with, uh, um, seemingly their quarterback situation at least for twenty twenty one in place with uh Darnold and uh Bridgewater. I did enjoy though, Antonio, you offering that trade possibility. Uh because the Denver Broncos in this scenario are going to take a QB. <laughs> um so if anyone wanted to uh to jump them, um you know, John l a not fully in charge anymore, but there's still a big old white QB the Broncos can draft. So with the ninth pick they are taking Mac Jones, quarterback out of Alabama. And I'm conflicted. I'm not a huge Mac Jones fan. I think he's good at distributing the ball. And we should say Denver, seemingly very talented pretty much everywhere on offense outside of just Drew Locke turned the ball over too much. Um, And so if you figure, you know, Mac Jones probably not as strong as Art as Drew Locke, but if he makes smarter decisions, maybe that just leads to less turnovers, uh, which Denver's been one of the worst turnover teams certainly last year. Um, because, you know, Locke led the league in interceptions last year. So if, if they cut back on that, um, they could have success. I just, I don't know. I don't think Jones is as athletic as you just need to be in today's game. He's very, he's very in the pocket. Just distribute the ball is what he is. But if they have a decent line and they have great receivers, I think he could have success. And Jerry Judy's there. They played a little bit together. Um, or at least on the roster together. So, uh, I'm not I'm not in love with this, but it seems like the Broncos are going QB hunting once again. And I think Mac Jones is the last of the quote unquote uh, surefire first round locks on the board. So, Mac Jones, ninth overall pick to the Denver Broncos.
3: I think that is worst case scenario for the Denver Broncos. You know, I was
4: yeah. I was hoping the most recent mock I did I had them taking Fields, and I was like. Oh, I like this for them. Uh, I don't like it as much with Mac Jones, but I still think they're gonna be swinging.
3: Yeah, I think I think Fields going nine. Like if if feel I have a friend, a good friend of mine who is a Denver fan, and I think if Fields goes nine or he's still there at nine and they take him, he's you know, he's boozing the night away. He's gonna have a great time <laughs> because that's like what they need. And Mac Jones. He might be boozing the other way, you know, if you if you know what I'm saying. Because I just don't I don't don't love that. But anyway, all right, let's get to Jerry um, and the Dallas Cowboys at ten. Obviously, Jerry loves making the big pick, and you know, Patrick Sertan is the safe pick, right? But there's a guy who also has an NFL bloodline, plays the same position, and might be better. You know, he wasn't coached up by these Alabama these Alabama coaches, where, as I've heard, Daniel Jeremiah said this on a podcast I listened to recently. Mm All joking aside, with a lot of these Alabama guys, you know what you're picking. Like, they've reached what they are, and they are very good a lot of the time. And maybe sometimes they exceed that even more, Marlon Humphrey. But a lot of the time, that's what you got, is this guy. You know what you have. Nice little tight package from Nick Saban. Here you go. (laughs) Solid starter for, you know, five, ten years, whatever it is. But I'm going to take a guy who his dad played on the other side of the ball, and that's Joe Horn, one of our favorite – probably will be forgotten in the annals of history receivers but never forget the man taking out a cell phone to celebrate a touchdown. I mean, the
4: greatest the greatest celebration in NFL history as far as I'm concerned.
3: <laughs> All-time. And be- and not because of that, but I am going to take his son, JC Horn, the cornerback out of the University of South Carolina. Let me read you this little stat. According to Pro Football Focus, only one receiver had 50 or more receiving yards versus Horn in his 30 games with the Gamecocks. And remember, Horn was the top corner. He played on the number one guy most of the time. That man was Devontae Smith. One receiver, one time. Heisman winner Devonte Smith had more than 50 yards. He had 60 against J.C. Horn. He's got all the physical tools, obviously. Um, he's a ball hawk as well, loves to go after the ball. And look, like we've mentioned before, Sertan has kind of been the guy at 10 and if he's not there based on our situations i think they still have to go defense i mean they have to we, we saw that dallas defense last year so give me jc horn the defensive back out of south carolina
4: i like it um if Sertan's off the board he's the second best corner by all accounts so uh it, you're, you're just Jerry drafting the sons of former NFL players. Seems
2: like a very, it's Jerry amazing, Jones right? It has, to, it has to well. happen. It
3: <laughs> has to happen. Or, I mean, we could see, look, there are some guys still on the board here that might be taken off in the next two picks that the Jerry just might go, eh, hey, screw it. We're going wide receiver again and just taking like Jalen Waddle. But I'm trying to be a little bit more sensible Jerry Jones
2: here. So I'm going defense because that defense was horrific last year. I'm next with the New York Giants, and they're in, a, I think, a fascinating spot at 11. They're, they're, if you follow sports, you've probably heard a joke somewhere that the Giants never trade back, that their GM has no interest in trading back, that they're, that's the spot and there's no reason to do it. Uh, so they're not moving. So they're <laughs> drafting at 11, and they already have their quarterback. They have Daniel Jones in as their starter with all of these quarterbacks going in the first 10 picks, there is a ton of talent left for the Giants to choose from at positions of need. So I'm a, i mean, I'm mean, stalling here, basically, because I'm in two positions. I want to take Devonta Smith, because he's there. Uh, it'll be another target for Daniel Jones to have. But then I looked up the wide receivers that the Giants currently have on the depth chart, and it's Kenny Galladay, recently signed, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton... And Evan Ingram at tight end, uh, so there's almost what, there's not even room. It, it, it's it's sort of a ridiculous problem to have where there's what not. If that was the Ravens. Sp- <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
2: hey hey Antonio, just look look. This is not
3: a rival GM trying to get to you. But remember, it's not about who's in the room. It's about the
2: talent. If the talent's there, you got to take it. You got to take it. Yeah, but you're talking to a bad GM, Tim. So that's not how he views this <laughs> at all. You, is it
3: is it is Pod Raven now an RPG where you just you're like role playing as these specific characters? Like Antonio uh, yeah. is
2: now Dave Gettleman. I have to find my uh, NFL uh, my NFL fun where I can find it, Tim. So yeah, I'm doing a first person here. Um, so I can't do it. I can't take DeVonte Smith. I can't spend the 11th pick on a player that everybody thinks is going to get hurt in the first quarter of the NFL year when i have all those positions already filled so i'm going to do the opposite i'm going to try to pro- not the opposite i shouldn't say that but i'm going to try to protect my quarterback instead of giving him yet another weapon and boy does he need help there so it's a it may be a tiny reach but uh Rayshon Slater is my pick for the New York Football Giants the tackle out of Northwestern and it's just a guy to help Daniel Jones and and all of those wide receivers Saquon Barkley, let's not forget him. He's the running back. There's so much talent on that team. Let's give Daniel Jones some time to find the receivers and Saquon Barkley space to just bust tackles with his very large thighs. So it's Rayshon Slater at 11 to the Giants out of North Carolina. Yeah, I like it.
3: Real quickly, like sorry, it. sorry, Jace, before you go, because you'll be way more intelligent than me. First of all, it's the second time in a row Antonio has taken the guy that I want for my picks. That's always fun. Like I'm a just an astute show.
2: GM uh, right? I'm not yeah, playing well, Dave Gettleman.
3: He's flip-flopping now. He was really bad, and now he's really good. Um, And Slater, and Jace, tell me more, according to everything I've read, is not really a reach. Antonio's had a bit of a reach at 11. A lot of people have him going higher.
4: Yeah, it seems like, you know, we see this every year. There's always way more offensive linemen go in the draft than you kind of anticipate. And uh, I think this, I think Antonio's right. I think this is right around where Slater's probably going to go. I wouldn't even be shocked if, he ends up in the top. Like if the lions just say like soul's off the board, we need a Lyman or the Panthers. One of those teams. Um, he's real solid. Pretty much the second uh, consensus, second best I'd say behind Sewell, uh tackle in, in there. Uh, real solid um, stalwart for Northwestern. I believe he opted out last season as well, but um, he's, he's been really good for Northwestern. And I, I think, to your point, Antonio, on the Giants, this gives them a lot of options. They can play him at right tackle. They can either they can possibly play Slater at left tackle and move Andrew Thomas over to right tackle because he's sort of, kind of wasn't great. Because uh, he stinks. Rookie, yeah, uh, potential potentially his future might be at right tackle based on his early returns in the NFL. So. Um, I like it, I think, and I, I agree with you, I, I'm not a huge Daniel Jones fan, but this regime, the Gettleman regime, is committed to Daniel Jones, and so you have to do what you can to make him better, and I think I think this is the move, because you're right, I think the weapons actually are pretty good, and in, with healthy, Burke is one of the best running backs in the league, so you gotta, you gotta make space for him, you gotta keep Jones upright, because he has no pocket awareness himself, so... I like it. Um, but you passing on uh, a certain wide receiver, um, I am going to take him with the Eagles because there's nothing the Eagles like more than taking injury-prone wide receivers. Uh, and we're, So we are going with the Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith. I certainly have concerns about his size. He is a tiny... Sl- not tiny, but slight. He For an NFL wide receiver, he is not a hawking man. But the guy gets open... He put up record-setting numbers at Alabama, um, pretty much unseen in the college ranks ever. I mean, he won the Heisman Trophy, which he was the first wide receiver to win the Heisman in over 20 years. Um, So, you know, record-setting production, uh, and I think the Eagles are another weird team where they're sort of building around Jalen Hurts, but maybe not long-term. But they played together at Alabama, so I think... I think Devonta Smith's the pick. He's a wide receiver. They need the talent. And I still think, even with the concerns, I think he'll still be able to get open. So I'm going with Devontae Smith at 12.
2: I love that, uh, Jace. It seems like the perfect fit for a team with a, a you know, the young quarterback and they want to give him weapons. I just want to go through the top 12 picks so far. I realize we haven't recapped them for, uh, for the listener here who hasn't diligently been taking notes and filling in the players that we have. At number one, the big shocker, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson at two to the Jets, Trey Lance at three to the 49ers, Kyle Pitts, the tight end, to the Falcons at four, Jamar Chase to the Bengals at five, Penny Sewell to the Dolphins at six, Justin Fields becomes the fourth quarterback taken at seven to the Lions, Patrick Sertan the second to the Panthers at eight, Mac Jones becomes the fifth quarterback taken to the Denver Broncos at nine. J.C. Horn at 10 to the Cowboys, Rayshon Slater to the Giants at 11, and Devonta Smith, Heisman Trophy-winning wide receiver out of Alabama to the Eagles at 12. Tim, uh, you're up at 13, but uh, if you want to add thoughts on, on Devonta Smith. uh, Yeah,
3: I mean, just quickly, uh, you know, Jace nails it, but Devonta Smith is one of those guys that could, because of his slight frame and everything, start... Going down the board a little bit you know we don't know this is the part of the draft where we're gonna do this we're doing this by the way on nfl.com they have a predict pick thing i renamed mine username podlick raven and i'm going to submit it afterwards to see if we win some sort of prize to see what happens in our predict pick basically um this has gone definitely not the way i thought it would already so i'm scrambling <laughs> as, as we're talking i will admit but for Devontae Smith, I think for me, if he's the one of these guys that, that starts falling down the board, passes the Cardinals at 16, a team that wants a wide receiver, the Raiders always want a wide receiver, and maybe they say no. And slowly we go down the board, maybe that's where I'm starting to try and like look up in the dark web Eric DeCosta's cell phone number to be like, Yo, trade up! Get this guy! Because I think it would be... Look, it's not going to happen, but one of those dream scenario type things. Are you suggesting a
4: a 31 and 27 for 19 type of situation? You know, (laughs) if
3: the football team is willing to answer the call, I think that is not the worst idea. I'll just say that. Um, Yeah. I'm kind of in a pickle here with the chargers. I will admit because the chargers definitely need some offensive line help. Uh, Your top two guys are gone. I was hoping, you know, as I mentioned before that Slater was still there. Uh, You know, JC Horn would have been another guy here. They also need some cornerback help, but because of, Sertan going so early, he's now at 10. Antonio just basically screwing me twice. So I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Christian Derasol, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Um, you know, him and Elijah Vera Tucker are kind of the next two linemen to go here, the the guard out of USC. Vera Tucker can play tackle and can play guard, but is seen more as a guard at the NFL level. Uh, Derasol, 6'4", 322 pounds, tackle body, uh, and a guy that, again, you drafted Justin Herbert. It was a pick that we all looked at. We're like, I don't really know. And guess what? It worked out. You found your quarterback. Good for you. You know what you need to do? Protect him and not trade away your all or pro bowl right tackle. I keep saying all pro, but it's pro bowl. But you never mind. That was earlier in the podcast. Um, so for me, Darisaw, get the guy who is... Maybe a little bit overlooked because he's not Penny Solo and he's not Rashawn Slater, but still a very, very good prospect and a guy who could protect the blind side there um, for a couple of years. They already they already got Jace's favorite free agent, Corey Lindsley, uh, mm-hmm. in, in L.A. now at center. So protect him on the outside as well. So
2: all the pick for me.
4: And they, uh, they added Matt Filer too. So this would be like a complete revamp of the offensive line. I really like it, Tim.
2: All right. I'm picking at... 14 here for the Minnesota Vikings. And I am stealing a sentence here, or a quote, I should say, from Danny Heifetz at the Ringer. Uh, He did an awesome draft guide there. And under the Vikings, he had a quote from the Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer when asked about his defense. Zimmer said, This is a bad defense, the worst one I've ever had. And he said that about his team on Christmas Day last season. So if we're the Vikings... Time to go fix it. Time to go get a, a defensive player to help us, uh, help us out. And that is Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. He's apparently like NFL ready, body plug and play with a ton of speed, um, and is expected to be a just a, a really productive linebacker in the NFL. I was looking through the Vikings linebackers. Eric Kendricks is still there. I feel like he's been there. <laughs> 10 years I don't know how long he has but looking at their linebackers Nick Vigil, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr and then Cameron Dansler, I feel like that's a mix of names I have heard a hundred times and then names I've never heard of which is Cameron Dansler, I will admit so the Vikings get younger at linebacker they get more explosive they get more talent on the defensive side um, which is very clearly what Mike Zimmer thinks that they need so that's the pick Micah Parsons at 14 to the Vikings
4: and Parsons is a fascinating prospect, Antonio, because he, another guy who opted out, um, but, and has, a, you know, definite off the field concerns is the phrase as they throw around in draft season. Um, but, I mean, he is, at one point, he was, like, considered a top 10 prospect, and he's kind of, you know, fallen down a little bit because of some of these concerns, but. I mean, 6'3", 246, He 246, he was incredible when he played. and I I think, you know, assuming all his off-field concerns don't become the concerns that hurt his NFL career, I think he's uh, um, just a, a, a fantastic player. Um, and if there's any defensive coach, there's not that, there are increasingly few defensive coaches out there these days, but, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer, one of them, so I think he can definitely get a lot out of him. Um, which now one of the most fascinating picks I've had to make, uh, so far at number 15, the New England Patriots are on the clock, big spenders in free agency, uh, in a way we haven't seen, there is a wide receiver on the board that though I like, um, there is also a player I think Bill Belichick will just be too enamored with because he is a defensive coach, because he is a defensive guy at heart. And, um, you know, we saw him opt out last year, but they need—they do need to think of a, a future beyond Dante Hightower. And that is why I believe the Patriots will select Jeremiah Wusu koromora out of Notre Dame, and Belichick will use him to just terrorize teams in the AFC in every various place, you know, you could move them, play them, wherever he wants. He's super talented, a great leader by many accounts, and just super versatile. And I think a guy that if he's there, and he's kind of been all over draft boards, you know, we saw Isaiah Simmons last year, a similar player in a lot of ways, uh, very versatile, but some concerns about, well, what position does he actually play? You know, that kind of thing. But I I think there's even less of those questions with this guy. And I, I, I think Belichick just loves defense and he spent all his money in free agency on offensive players I have a hard time seeing him drafting a wide receiver in the first round for the second time in two years as he did a few years back with uh Nikhil Harry um so yeah I I, I see him going defense and I see him going with the do everything linebacker because that's what he likes
3: <laughs> uh, it's 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 Adelius Thomas remember he he brought in Adelius Thomas thinking it was going to be that guy and then Thank the Lord, it was a bust. I love the Darius Thomas as a as a Baltimore Raven, but obviously it didn't it didn't work out for him in New England. Um, and and I think for the the Patriots too, this is kind of worst case scenario. Worst case scenario for us, we're all going to be watching this. We might hop on a Zoom call and watch together. Who knows? It might get frisky on a Thursday night, and they're going to trade up to like eight and pick Justin Fields or something like that. And then we're all going to go, you know, darn it family show Belichick shoot. knows what he's doing shoot gosh darn it it's definitely not what we're going to be saying by the way um but for where they're at right there when when all of the quarterbacks are gone they're not taking Kyle Trask they're not taking the kid out of Stanford uh, Mills I believe his name is Kellen Bond the guy at a they're not taking them there so it might be a classic trade out for New England at that point, but again, we're not doing trades, so that makes sense to me. Um, I'm up now.
2: Yeah, Tim, it just, it's quickly, it seems right. impossible yeah. that they they stay at 15. For, you know, for the exercise, we're keeping them where they are, but they have to either, they're going to move up or they're going to move back. I, I feel like there's no way they stay at 15 based on how these things go, but um, certainly that would be, a, a, a Usukoramara would be an annoying, you know, 25-year <laughs> starter for the New England Patriots. Right. <laughs> All right,
3: so for the first time in a couple picks, I have a guy that I like where he's at. And uh, we're going to Arizona here. And I know they already have DeAndre Hopkins. And I know they just got A.J. Green, who, sure, great, that's fine. And I know Christian Kirk is there as well. But if a playmaker like this falls to 16, you got to take him. By the way, I think he's going a lot a lot higher because speed kills and everybody loves speed. But it's Jalen Waddle, man. I mean, the guy, every time you see him with the ball in his hands, he's making plays. He doesn't need a gap. He can make his own gap because he's so fast. He's 5'9", 180 pounds as well. I don't really have a ton more to say. Jalen Waddle's at 16. Cliff Kingsbury's going to take him to do more of the air raid offense.
4: Yeah I mean he was just you you mentioned explosive I mean uh, so this past season in which he broke his ankle and then eventually like came back or did something with his ankle sprained it fractured it played
3: played on it by the way played yeah, on it that was a yeah, whole was not debate about
4: it <laughs> if you watched the uh, national title game but uh in only 6 games he had 591 yards and averaged 21 yards a catch um, and he is probably you know the most dynamic kick returner as well that you're going to find in the, certainly in the first round of any of of any of the receivers that are taken in this draft. He can, he, he can do returns really too. So that would be just uh, another dangerous, you know, dynamic uh, option for them. And, you know, you mentioned they, obviously they have D hop, but... Larry Fitzgerald's not going to play forever and we don't know if he's going to play this year I guess I don't know if he's confirmed or not but so they do have to think of about a replacement for him at some point as well so I love the pick Tim I think Waddle uh, I'm a little surprised he lasted this long I think I wouldn't be stunned if we have a scenario where Waddle goes in the top 10 (laughs) uh on Thursday night he he uh he's kind of all over the place but uh Yeah, he's a a fascinating talent, to
2: be sure. It's crazy with Waddle because it's just there's no room for him. If all these (laughs) quarterbacks go high, there's just not enough spots for all these guys. Somebody has to fall. And in our mock, it's been Waddle. Boy, if him or Smith, as we talked about earlier, are available in the mid teens, late teens, DaCosta. DaCosta, baby. You know, get get on that phone. But uh, I love Waddle at 16.
3: Hey everybody, Tim here. Uh, apologies for the interruption in the episode and thank you for listening, first of all. Um, the file was actually too big to upload because we had just had so many things to talk about with this draft. So I'm going to cut it off here at the after the 16th pick, after Jalen Waddell. Uh, and I know it's going to sound a little bit weird going from past Tim to current Tim right now, which is also going to be past Tim while you're listening to this. But we're going to cut it off here. Part 2 should also be in your podcast feed. Uh, right now, we're going to upload them at the same time, so you, all you have to do is click play on the next episode. If there is an issue, you can always contact me on Twitter at Tim Horsey or reach out to us at PodLickerRaven, Twitter, Instagram, and PodLickerRaven at gmail.com. So thank you so much, guys. And again, part two should be right there for you, and we will get started with pick number 17.